All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the show. Here I am today with uh, Andrew Batter. Um, thank you for taking the time. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, I mean, I have so many questions on my mind, but as a fellow Proof Collective member, you were there. Were you there as the? Um, were you there for the Grails Mint? Yeah, I joined shortly before it, um, sometime in February, I think. Okay, great move. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm so curious. Did you end up minting the piece that we're going to talk about today? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, I looked at it and it was one that I wanted and I thought about picking it up on secondary sometime during the mint or, or before the reveal. After the reveal, it got a little bit out of the price range I wanted to pay. But um, I actually minted number 19, the wall, uh, okay. which is just a, an image of a wall. And mm -hmm. I was I was the first one to mint it. It was like in the first few minutes that it opened, I was pretty into the idea of picking the art without really knowing anything about it and didn't know there was going to be so much speculation and analysis done, which ended up being pretty exciting. But um, I was happy with my choice. I kind of figured that this picture of a wall was just, I mean, I don't know that many NFT photographers. So I thought, could it be Justin Aversano? I didn't, I didn't think it was by him. So I figured it was by some obscure photographer who I hadn't heard of yet. And uh, it actually turned out to be by Tyler Hobbs, who I'm already a big fan of. So that was a fun surprise. I mean, you know, there were so many things happening in the proof discord, everybody yeah. like talking about uh, maybe there's maybe it's this artist, maybe it's that artist. And then but the photo just looks so photorealistic that we didn't even think that to me, like it didn't I didn't think like it was generated. Did yeah. you think that it was generated? No, <laughs> uh, okay. nobody really did. Uh, people zoomed in and were like, this has been digitally edited a lot. Oh, they must have used Photoshop's clone stamp tool or whatever. And there was somebody found a yeah. pattern in a corner of it that looked kind of like generative art. But everybody assumed the whole time that it was based on a photograph that had been altered. And it turned out there was no photographic data in the image at all. It was 100% generated by code. Um, so I think it's a, it's a masterpiece of, of generative or procedural generation. To kind of circle it back, you know, like we're talking about Grails, we're talking about Tyler Hobbs, we're talking about number 19. One of the things that really caught the attention on social media and Twitter um, over the past two days is really your kind of Easter egg <laughs> treasure hunt. Can you, can you tell us about, um, you know, what sparked that kind of inspiration to go look for an, an actual like treasure hunt with that Larva Labs uh, number 11, the protoglyph? What, what, how did it all start? Yeah, I wasn't the first one to notice the clue. I was watching the Discord chat um, late at night and somebody else had noticed this weird pattern. I don't think they knew that it was a clue, but they were like, what is this weird part of the image? And I looked at that and I mean, I hadn't set out looking for a mystery, but this looked like a mystery and I, I wanted to dig <laughs> into it right away. And for those of you who haven't seen the image yet, I mean, it's sort of a, a black and white pixelated, pretty complicated mathematical looking pattern. Like if you graph like a, like a symmetrical fractal type thing. What this person who goes by Iceman pointed out in the chat was that at the very top of it, also pixelated black and white, there was an extra two rows of pixels. And in that two rows, it was it, it looked disconnected and it looked different from everything else in the image. And what you had was these shapes. And there were L's and there's upside down L's. 
and they didn't look to be in any particular decorative pattern. They looked semi-arbitrary. Um, and so I thought if there is a secret message in there, uh, I mean, that's what that would look like too. Like if yeah. there were, if there were zeros and ones, you wouldn't expect them to be in a symmetrical pattern or, a um, or to like look like they were part of the bigger image. So it, it seemed like it could be something there. Okay. And the, the L's yeah. like people were like, oh my God, the clues were there all along. You know, it was like LL for Larva Labs. So how, how do you take it from there? Like, what was your step to actually un, uncode this, so to speak? Yeah, I think part of it is that I have done kind of like scavenger hunt type puzzles before, like in this manner. Back in the earlier days of the web, there were a lot of, or there was sort of this this kind of like, I don't want to say trend because it was never that popular, but there were a handful of these sites where it was like hacker type capture the flags where they would have multiple levels and you have to progress from one level to the next by solving the clue. And it was all this kind of thing where there's like secret messages hidden places and encoding and you have to go combine it with this other thing. And some people are familiar with ARGs, like augmented reality games, which blend online and in person. Um, there's also something called puzzle hunt, which is another name for the genre, but a lot of engineering colleges have like a yearly contest where people make puzzles mm -hmm. for other people to solve and then there's some kind of prize. So I was generally like familiar with that mindset. And so when I saw that there was this symbol set of the two different symbols, the L's and upside down L's, it didn't seem to be in like an obviously decorative pattern. I thought maybe there was a message hidden there. And I don't, I didn't think it was going to be as big as it was. I was just, maybe it was a, a cute little signature or something. I was in Mexico City at the time. I was on vacation with some friends. And instead of going out and getting some tacos <laughs> or getting some drinks or doing something fun, I did something else fun. I, I wrote a little <laughs> Python script to decode the L's into zeros and ones. And yeah, found, and how found that clue. <laughs> so what was the reaction of your friends were they like you know are you coming out or something and you're just like you, you did you have to explain to them like why you didn't come out yeah i mean i i kept it light um because <laughs> I, i i became pretty obsessed with this puzzle over the next week while i was i was still there that whole time i didn't want to seem as obsessed as i was so i was kind of like working on it in my free time or at night So the yeah, code that you, I, yeah. <laughs> you, you the code you wrote in yeah. Python, essentially, I mean, I'm, I'm a total newbie in this. Yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know anything about code, right? Like, yeah. So this is the kind of thing that you could do by hand. So it's just a list of of the symbols, zero, uh, L's and upside down L's, and you know, if you have two different symbols, you're going to think binary. If there were, I don't know, four sim different symbols, it might be something else. But with two symbols. Mapping into zero and one seems pretty natural. There were a couple hundred of them, 256, it turned out. I didn't sit there and count them, but the program did. So, I mean, you could go through by hand and just kind of like type out one symbol or the other for, for all of them. But it just saved me a few minutes, I guess, to write a Python script. And okay. the first step, just to make the script have to do less, you can do part of it just manually, which is I took the image and I... I zoomed in on it really big and I cropped it so that it was just the part with the code. So I cut out all the other things. And so it's, you end up with this two pixel high image. Um, mm -hmm. 
that starts at the beginning of that row of L's and ends at the end of that row of L's. And there's no kind of like extra information that your script has to deal with. And then I'm looking at the code right now and it's, it's really, I mean, it's 20 lines, but it could be 15. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, you read in the image and then you end up with this array of the pixels and you kind of like take the array in blocks of two by two. And if okay. it's, if a two by two block looks like, <clears throat> looks like an L you print out a, a one. And if it looks like an upside down L you print out a zero. And okay. so it's like a pretty straightforward then, series of comparisons. Yeah. So basically that, that uh, sequence of ones and zeros afterwards, that's yeah. the thing that you convert into an ASCII. Yeah, or? that's right. Okay. Yeah. So you okay. end up with these 256 bits. So zero or one. And then, I mean, bits, can be used to represent anything on a computer. But if there's a secret message in there, they're probably being used to represent text. And the most common way to turn bits into text is with the ASCII encoding, um, mm -hmm. which wow. is a system of, yeah, so eight, it's an eight bit encoding. Cut that 256 into chunks of eight and turn each one of those into a letter. And, you know, I was open to that not working, but it was the first thing I tried and it did work. So that was pretty exciting. The idea is that, you know, you got the, the ASCII. What, what did it say again, particularly? Yeah, it said secret is in the pig numbers, comma, LL. Okay. So yeah. so then then you, your, your mind, obviously, you thought about like, well, well, what does that mean coming from Larva Labs and everything? So you, yeah. did, did your mind immediately go to me bits with like the, the, the pigs that were in that collection? It did. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. okay so I mean, <laughs> uh, so so you saw that, and then you went like, and you saw in the jerseys they actually have numbers, right? Yeah. I mean, there was a little while in between there, um, but as you said, I've been thinking about NFTs too much, so I did think of the pigs right away. And what I thought the pig numbers referred to was the actual MeBit IDs. So there's twenty thousand MeBits. There are these three D characters. Every one of them has an ID number, just from one to twenty thousand, um, just so you can, you know, talk about them, uh, mm -hmm. basically. And these three D characters, some of them are humans, some of them are aliens, some of them are elephants, some of them are pigs. And just knowing that this message came from Larva Labs and that they they don't have that many projects, and the the pig me bits are the only pigs I could think of that it would be talking about. Um, so the first thing I did was I actually shared it in the proof discord and I was like, Oh my God, you guys, like there's been so you were in the discord, right? You're in there. So you yeah, know yeah. how much speculation there was people going crazy, trying to figure out which pieces by who, and they had signed it and like their signature was on there the whole time. Um, so that's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, so crazy. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah. And so I don't know, in the, in the next week or so, I was like, ah, I don't know if I should have shared it because we're maybe going after the same prize now. And I, I kind of like tipped my hand and there's other people that we're competing with and I shouldn't have shared it. But it turned out, I don't know if anyone else even was, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned in one of the spaces um, yeah. with, uh, with Ryan, Ryan Carson <laughs> yeah. that like, or maybe it was you or, or your friend that, uh, who was it that, that also participated in that uh, treasure Fred hunt. Friend Apley. 
Yeah, Apley. I think it was yeah. Apley that said, like, you know, it felt like you wanted to race the entire time to get the answer, but you're not really sure if anybody else was really like yeah, looking to. Yeah, about this. Basically, like you see the these uh, jerseys from yeah. the um, pygmy bits and they have numbers on them. And turns out that like if yeah. each of them, you add up these numbers, it, it adds up to a 64 digit string. Is that right? Yeah. So you can go on the MeBit website and search and filter by different attributes. Um, we mm -hmm. spent a while trying to use the MeBit ID numbers as the numbers, and that didn't work before we focused in on the, the jersey numbers. And if you look at the ones with jerseys, there are 64 of them. That happens to be the number of hex digits in an Ethereum private key, the 64 length hex string. Um, yeah. But we couldn't figure out how to turn those numbers into a hex string for what looking back like seems way too long because it's it's actually it's pretty straightforward once you figure it out but we were like trying to use those with the jersey numbers or with the jersey colors because there are seven different colors too so we're coming up uh -huh. with some complicated schemes for trying to get the hex string but in the end if you take those 64 digits um, you can just kind of import them directly into your metamask as a private key and get access to the oh. secret wallet that Larva Labs had set up uh, last May. My God, it's, yeah. it's isn't that like I don't know, like it still blows <laughs> my mind that they thought that far into the process. Like, yeah, I don't even know. Like, they had to think that well, I'm we're gonna make sixty four pygmy bits that have yeah. these jerseys and numbers. So it had to be thought at the beginning of of a project, almost like very early stages. I recently got accustomed to uh, one of your art block pro uh, art blocks project, which is Asemica. C can you tell us more about it and and where did this idea uh, come from? With it, like to make a generative project around uh, you know typographic compositions. Had come across art blocks early last year and been paying attention to it in that time, and wanted to make a project and teamed up first with one of my collaborators on there, Emily Edelman, and then later with the third partner on it, Dima Offman. And so this was Asemica was a collaboration between the three of us. The idea, I mean, we're, we're all creative people um, who also love text and I've studied creative writing in the past and I'm just generally a fan of books and writing and, mm -hmm and of internet art and programming. And uh, Emily's a, a designer. She studied design and works as a designer day to day. Um, so it was, it was kind of a combination of our interests. It was this particular idea came more from her than anyone else. Um, and we all added to it and helped shape it along the way. And as, as you were referring to, um, there's this concept behind it of seeing the text without reading it. And, and the quote is about that to really see the design, um, to see a typographic design, you have to be able to look at it without reading. And this was, this project was sort of a, an ode to that aspect of typography and, and the visual design of it and trying to make beautiful generative letters and phrases and sentences and then overall compositions with a variety of layouts and colors, but all of it being in a, in a new alphabet that, that didn't actually represent any sound or language. Um, and so wow. giving people that opportunity to, to just look.
I guess we have so many preconceived notions and meanings to the things that we look around, you know, like whether we're looking at a letter or we're looking at a table right away, our, our mind just instantly goes to the meaning we gave that shape or that image. But then can we really look without judging or without putting a meaning to it? I think that's super powerful. Like it, it actually, it makes me think about, um, um, Zen philosophy in some way or like some sort of meditation where you try to disassociate the meaning that you put on certain things where you're running, your mind is always running to the next thing, right? Like to the next, the next association that you have with like this color or this subject or this person. Uh, and, and I think the idea of being able to look at something without necessarily just looking at uh, what your mind conceives of it, I think it's very powerful. Yeah. I think that's really that's really true what you said about association. I mean, it I makes that, sense that your brain is trying to do this for the sake of expediency and compress and take shortcuts and mm-hmm. associ- both association with other things that are related to what you're looking at and also the memory of the kind of thing you're looking at. So like you said, a table, you don't see it for the first time. Every time you look at it, you start to look at it and just remember what you saw before. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it, yeah. it's it's so true about uh, about typography, you know, because a yeah. lot of times, like somebody sees some text written in, um, you know, whether you're, you're taking you know, like the most benign font, like Comic Sans, versus like something something that became so mainstream that now it's like like it's been so overused, like Helvetica. But mm-hmm. you know, all of them basically like it's the same letters, but it's presented in a different design, different way. It all makes you feel like when you're reading that, it makes you feel in a different way, in the same style. Like if you if you read something that's in Times New Roman, for some reason, it's going to make you remember literature or some sort of book. Right. right. I know you, you tweeted that you hid a, me- a secret message in a Semica. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more about that? Without like, obviously like doxing the whole thing. Yeah, it's not... Um, as exciting maybe as the Larva Labs secret message. There's no prize. There's no secret wallet. It's just sort of a a message that's a, it's a a poetic message that's that's put in there in a way that's not immediately visible. It's a, a okay. it's a quotation. It's not really pointing to anything outside of itself, but it's that's it's, awesome. Yeah, speaks to the nature of the project. This is very cool. I, I just love yeah. the dynamic of being able to put something in a project that adds an extra layer of interest and a fun to it. I, I'm just wondering, you know, because obviously like you were the one to kind of decode that message uh, from from the, um, you know, the, the the Easter egg hunt with the, the MeBits project. But like, do you see other projects doing that? And if so, like, what would be the best way to go about it? I mean, I wasn't really aware of other projects doing that, but since I posted that Twitter thread that got a lot of attention, people have been DMing me for help with their other mysteries. And so (laughs) I don't know. Now I'm aware of like four or five different discords full of people trying to crack some other secret code. And they're like, well, you solved this one. Maybe you can help us with that one. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I'm going to give it a couple of days before trying to dive in. Yeah. You've become like the the Tom Hanks of the <laughs> the NFT space, like like uh, cracking the Da Vinci Code. I accidentally started a detective agency, and some people are bringing cases to my desk, and I um, <laughs> have to decide whether but, to but take you, them or not. Is that is that something you think about? Like, do do you think about you know in the future all these projects, like 
because obviously like with projects adding more and more utility on top of it, more and more value and, and bringing communities together. Do you see this as a way for, you know, encrypting a message in a project? It's such a fun treasure hunt. You know, it's almost like you become a kid again. Yeah. It's really exciting. You know, people have to think about it. (laughs) I I hope so. I mean, one of my secret hopes from the Twitter thread is that it'll inspire more people to create adventures like that and inspire more people to go after them if they see them. Um, that exactly. would make me really happy. And you have a puzzle uh, to, to solve. It's, it's almost like, like you were saying, it becomes an obsession, right? Like, and yeah. how do you go about creating a, a, a puzzle where there's a message in it or something, but yeah. you know, without making it impossible to decode. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that sounds really hard. I'm not experienced at making puzzles, um, but I imagine that getting it to the right difficulty level where it's not too easy, but it's not impossibly hard. It's mm-hmm. It's got to be like a core part of it. In this space, you could err on the side of trying to make it a little bit too hard and then you can always release more clues along the way, but... Yeah, the the people I solved this one with were thinking about trying to make a puzzle. I mean, we already have this starting point of this Larva Labs wallet. And like, I don't know, anybody could access it. So maybe we'll do something with that. Or maybe, yeah, I don't know. Another project re- reached out about trying to help them create a puzzle. So this could be a fun thing to get into. I, I, there, there is probably, if you do want to get into this, there's probably an archive of of the puzzle hunts that I mentioned earlier from, from years past. And I'm sure that people have had all kinds of good ideas. Puzzle hunt. Like if you look up, I think you can look up puzzle hunt on Wikipedia. And I think they have links to a few different ones that happen at different schools. And maybe some of those schools have archives of, of the past ones, but you could also look at old school secret codes and ciphers. Um, but, but the blockchain that, is such um, a cool space for it because you can hide code, hide things in smart contracts and um, everything is kind of visible. Exactly. It allows yeah. everyone to kind of participate. Yeah, which is that's the, really cool. The really, the really fun part and the part where it just brings community together. Like, yeah. honestly, I, I, I haven't felt a, a strong community as the week prior to the the actual minting of Grails, right? Like the, the week of uh, the Grails minting, like everyone was on Discord, like saying, "I think this is this. I think that I, this could be it." You know, like this is my yeah. research. <laughs> it just so shows, like you know, I think I think it was like Kevin, Kevin or Ryan that were saying, like you know, if ever you need like a a, a case solved for like a murder or <laughs> some some person missing, like just yeah. go and approve Discord. Yeah. I think they said <laughs> that after somebody did the handwriting analysis on the Tim Ferriss yeah. piece, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's for for me, like honestly, I, I'm excited to see where all of this is going. I think this is just gonna add on top of the layers that we already see of like the Web three community, which is so you know inclusive, so fun, so so uh, um, like oriented towards like collaboration. I think puzzles are just gonna like bind us even more together. So I'm excited to see that. And if you do like launch a some sort of project or anything, I think we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll always uh, stay at, stay tuned to what your messages are on Twitter and uh, <laughs> let us know about that when it happens. I will. I'm thinking about it. Tell the whole community, everybody listening, like where can they yeah. find you and um, how they, how they can uh, keep in touch with what you do? Sure. The best way is on Twitter for sure. And my, my handle is Andrew Botter, 
So A N D R E W B A D R. And awesome. you can get from there to my website and everything else. 